This week we are talking about dub dub tips, dub dub rumors, and career changes. This is Contravariance, a podcast on Apple, Swift, and other, well, mostly programming related topics. Good morning, Buzz. Good morning, Dana. Well, morning. Kind of morning. I was a bit late again, I'm sorry. No, it's more that, you know, I'm a bit tired and I'm not sure if it's like a good, good morning, but okay. I'm happy that we're podcasting again after yeah. a while. Yeah, maybe it's not a good, good morning, but it's a morning. It's a morning. So, morning bus. Morning bean. So, a while back, we did something really cool where we got stickers. Yes. So, we ordered some stickers and we have some, some real life stickers um, for our podcast and it's been really cool to see people wanting to get some and putting them on their devices or just talking about it in general. And I was hesitant at first because I'm not that big of a sticker person and I don't use any stickers myself. Um, but I think I'm convinced. I think it's really cool to to get some and, and see other people being excited about it. I confirm. I have one on my laptop and I wanted to put one on my iPad, um, but I haven't really done that yet. Um, and it's nice to see other people having these stickers. And we should also find a way to hand them out to listeners. Maybe we'll come up with something for the next episode. Yeah, I mean, at some point we can maybe send them around. Yeah. Uh, I think for now the best way is, is to, to find us somewhere. Uh, that being probably at some kind of conference. Um But definitely, I think that would be nice. And there's actually been some sort of an upgrade to the stickers because we're not only having uh, real-life stickers now, but also digital stickers. That's right. There's a, a new app by Paul Hudson, and he included a sticker pack in the app. And this sticker pack includes a lot of stickers from community-related um, podcasts and projects. And so you can end the in Contravedience was added as well. So now there's a digital sticker that you can use in iMessage. Yes, Contravariance, uh, Swift Weekly Brief, um, Swift Over Coffee, like Paul's, Paul's podcast, of course, uh, Swiftly I've seen. Uh, yeah, some, some really cool, cool things. And I think that was a great idea from Paul to just do something relatively simple, but yeah, share, share those community, that community feeling uh, via sticker back. Yeah, it was a really nice idea. Um, It's um, it's great to have that and to be able to use it when you, for example, chat with somebody from the community or um, with somebody who briefly knows, with a coworker, for example, even. Yeah, I mean, I've still not really used stickers that often, but they're a nice thing and they don't hurt. And I think it's, like I said, I think it was just a cool idea. And yeah, looking forward to using them if, if it makes sense. Yeah, interestingly for me, the biggest reason why I, I won't use them that much is that here in Europe or here in Germany specifically, almost everybody in my, my friend circle uses WhatsApp. So there are very few people use wire message. And you can't use the stickers in WhatsApp. I'm very happy though to like have people around me that don't necessarily use WhatsApp mm. so I can use iMessage. Um, I think for obvious reasons I'm not a big fan of WhatsApp. So yeah, for me it's a bit different but definitely definitely cool to to see paul uh with the idea and and to execute it basically within a day it was really quick um yeah and yeah, i think that's a nice idea that's yeah. a nice idea yeah. talking about like 
including the community and and the things that Paul does, um, I recently tweeted about something that I really care about, where that was also inspired by by Paul and by Kate uh, Kate Hudson, where I asked the community, hey, I have some time, you know, I have time left, and I would love to talk to you. I would love to get to know uh, a lot of people from the community and see uh, where they're at in their career and see where they want to go and see what they care about uh, when it comes to programming, when it comes to iOS. And I basically said, hey, anybody can let me know and I would love to, to help you further. And the responses to that have been really great. Um, and I've already talked to a few people, either just via Twitter or online, um, but also some in person. And it's been really, really cool to to get these insights and, and to learn from that myself as well. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. It's also a really interesting idea. And giving these opportunities and, and looking for dialogue is really interesting and nice. Um, how did you... Um, so you, you learned that from, from Paul, right? Who did something similar I didn't, I didn't follow. Yeah, so I think it was last year when Paul did that last, where he did something similar, mm-hmm. uh, specifically for underrepresented groups. I didn't do that because, you know, a bit less of a following and I wanted to mm-hmm. just, just be open for anybody. Um, obviously, Paul does the same. And I think he did that last year for about a month where he said, hey, this month I have some time. Um, let me know and we can see, we can we can figure it out. Um, so that stuck in my mind. And I talked shortly about it with Paul like a month ago, I think. And he said, I mean, go for it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. So, And any topic is basically allowed. If somebody is interested in talking just about anything that is briefly related to the community. I mean, to me, it's any topic is, is allowed. Obviously, um, I think it makes most sense to talk to people working with iOS or looking into iOS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people, actually, and we'll come back to that later as well that have started looking into iOS, which always really surprises me, especially looking at where in their career they are Mm -hmm. right now with completely different uh, career. Um, And yeah, I mean, I've talked mostly about accessibility Mm -hmm. and about like career, but Mm -hmm. anything goes. That's cool. And you also did some in person, you said. Yeah, so I had two, I think now, where just had like uh, FaceTime calls, Mm Or screen sharing in case mm-hmm. helping with with, a, with an app, mm-hmm. um, looking at uh, dynamic type, uh, talking about like career, like I said, where somebody was looking for their first iOS job, um, and I think I have one more scheduled with somebody else to to talk about things. Mm, that's really cool. I love the idea. It's great, and I'd love to like you know, I still have more time basically, uh, and I'd love to 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 talk to some more people, but it's. On the other hand, it's also really interesting to see where I think there was a tweet recently as well. It's like, hey, if you have like many followers, it's really hard to keep up with direct messages. And I've never had that feeling. Um, but if many people at once like reach out to you with pretty in-depth questions, yeah, that is pretty like challenging to to read all of it and to... Um, respond to it in a really nice, nice manner, which which I obviously want to do because I want to take the time for this. Hmm. That's cool. 
Yeah. So listeners, if you um, if you think this would be something for you, you would be interested in talking to us about any topic in this um, in this area. Um, why not approach him and ask him and, and find a chat, uh, chat slot? Um, so the, the next topic we want to talk about, um, and this is a kind of a bigger topic, is uh, DubDub. DubDub yes. is coming up. Yeah, so I think it was me not, like, I haven't really realized it, but like WWDC is, is creeping up. Mm -hmm. um, it's going <laughs> to be in about a month. Um, Unfortunately, I won't be attending this year. What about you, Bene? No, and I'm not even sure if I will ever be attending again officially. I've been there, I think, nine times. And I feel like when I go there, um, I'm taking away a spot from somebody who deserves more to go there because it might be his or her first time. And having been there so many times, I feel it's uh, I shouldn't do that anymore. I might go there just to San Diego, uh, not San Diego, to San Jose, um, just for, for the events and meeting people, but I might never apply for a ticket again. But I think what you mentioned here, just attending like the general area, basically, or going to, to the San Jose area and attending maybe one of the different conferences being, being held during that time is a really good thing. Can mm -hmm. you, can you talk a bit yeah. more about it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are There are three things to to dub dub, and this is especially interesting if if you're um, going there the first time. So the one part is obviously the keynote and the official talks. The keynote is especially interesting; it's exciting. Um, you you try to to get in early to to land a seat up front to see the people very close. Um, that's cool. And then you have the official talks, which you will also just like the keynote see in video. So there's not necessarily for you a requirement to go there. Nevertheless, it's nice. Um, it used to be in the past that. You could ask questions. They don't do that anymore. Um, that was a benefit that you had in the talks that you wouldn't have on video, that you could stand up at the end of the talk and there was a microphone and you could ask questions and the engineers would answer, but that doesn't scale. So they stopped doing that a long time ago. Um, the next thing is that there are the labs, obviously, where you find the engineers, you go there, um, and then in the labs, you can basically ask your questions, you can show your code, they will help with your code, and that's fantastic. That's a huge benefit that DubDub has compared to any other conference where you go. Some of the conferences, like of the smaller conferences, they now have something similar where um, people from the community that um, that really know a certain topic um, can help you afterwards. Uh, Try Swift does it, for example. Um, but at DubDub, it's different because they can actually look into the source code of your iCode, for example, while you are there and, and see what's happening. So that's really cool. Um, these, the first two things, you only get that when you have a ticket, right? You can only go to the keynote and you can only go to the uh, talks and you can only go to that when you have a ticket. But there's another huge part of DubDub and that is being in the city, um, going to these events and mixing with people and, and, and talking to people and, and making new friends and learning about things in the community. And that's equally important about the whole conference because there are 5,000 developers from all around the world and actually probably more because it's in the Bay Area. There are also the people from San Francisco. There are the people that live in San Jose. Um, and then there are a lot of people, as Bas said, that just come there for Altcom, for example, or just to, to, to meet with other people. So there may very well be way more people in this area in this one week that are all related to iOS that you can run into and that you can talk to. And there are parties everywhere, usually free parties. And party doesn't necessarily mean it's a lot of dancing. It's more like there's free beer, there's free food, 
and you, you you talk to people and that's a huge part of the whole conference and and for me actually that was always the most fun part of it the the um, going to the conference center was great and I enjoyed that a lot but a lot but the um, meeting your friends meeting people I met so many interesting people in the in the after hours of dubbed up over the years it's that's a huge huge deal yeah I I, I can totally relate to this um, I mean not to the going to dubbed up nine times because <laughs> I was only there last year, and that was my first time. Um, but I think especially what you said about the labs can't be understated. The labs really, really, really are the heart of WWDC for me. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have like a lot of questions that I could take last year um, and had some really interesting chats with the engineers. Um, and that's also something I would totally recommend if you go... If you got a ticket, talk to your colleagues, think about what you've been working on last year, think about interesting things to share with those engineers, um, because it's it's not just a, hey, I have a problem, let's look at it, but it's also look like, hey, this is something I would love to see, or this is something I've been working with, let's talk about it. And, you know, you are two people that care about something mm. Um only good things can happen. Yeah. And I've had some really good experiences with that. Also, you should never be afraid of going to the lab because you think your problem might be too stupid or your problem or your the question you have might be irrelevant to them. That's not the case. I've gone there with really, 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 really stupid questions, especially in my beginner years. Like when I went to my first dub dub, I was obviously, I, I didn't know a lot of things, a lot of things. That was in 2007. And um, I, I think like in hindsight, I asked really stupid questions and they were very, very, they took their time. They explained it to me in a very nice manner. And, and it's just, they were not condescending. It's really nice going there. Even if you, you are afraid that your questions might not be up to par that's not the case they will help you and i've had that experience with with any conference really and and i think that's the really cool part where people just love to talk mm -hmm. um people want to to know about what you're working on and yeah that's yeah. that's just something that you don't i mean you see it in in your company maybe where you're working at talking to colleagues but like conferences, I think, take that to the next level where, you know, it might be somebody that has been working on something completely different or has a completely different perspective on something, comes from a completely different part of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's just, just, just an amazing experience. There's also another thing about the labs. Usually when you go there, um, there are people waiting in line because there are only a couple of engineers and there are a lot of attendees. So you have to wait in line um, for the engineer that you want to talk to to become available, which means that the line you're waiting in is packed with people that have kind of a similar problem as yours. And so you start talking in the line. And usually half the time my problems were solved by somebody in the line waiting with me because we, we had a similar problem. We talked a bit and then we both realized, oh, that's how you do it. And that's also a way how you meet new friends. Like I met a couple of people there that I just met waiting in line, talking to them. And then we realized, you know, we are all engineers. We share the same problems. And that's another really helpful thing about the, the labs is the waiting in line of the people you meet there. Uh, yeah. And, and in general also uh, goes for this. Talk to the people around yes. you is, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier in line because you're standing next to each other. You don't have anything to do. So it's e even easier to break the ice and start a conversation. While when you're just walking through the halls of DubTap and you just approach somebody, that's trickier. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. But you, you also said, hey, like DubTap is also like the keynote and the talks. And 
honestly, that's something that for me was a bit, you know, underwhelming or at least mm-hmm. the keynote where I didn't really f- like I was in the room. Right. And people say, oh, it's really cool to be in the room. But I didn't feel that way. Honestly, I don't know if it was last year's WWDC where it was relatively not like not many new things being announced. Um, but no, it was just a long queue and then the keynote. So I think for me, it was a lot more interesting. Also, the State of the Union that happens mm-hmm. in the afternoon on the Monday. Um, and also regarding to talks, I think um, going to like going on stage after the talk has ended, uh, obviously, if the speakers are still there, I think it's totally fine. Like that's something I did last year. Um when it was an interesting talk or when it were people that I know that I knew and I think that that totally works obviously like if they don't have time they will let you know but I think you can still like if you're really interested to go talk to those people Mm -hmm. they're also really really happy to talk yeah absolutely Um, if they have the time sometimes they have to go to the lab right after their talk so then they don't have much time to stay there because they usually they give their talk and then they run down to the labs. But if that's not the case, and then they have some time, they will stay and you can just wait there and maybe have a short discussion with them. That works great. Um, and also sometimes um, when somebody from Apple gives a talk, um, other people from the team are sitting in the first row. Um, especially management to see um, how well the talk is and so on and so if you sit really close to the first row you may have the option to afterwards talk to some of the people from their team not necessarily to the guy that that gave the talk but to somebody from the team that's also quite helpful yeah and exactly that's what's been happening where uh, like there were talks by somebody and then they had some time afterwards and you see that they are basically talking to their own team and and talking Mm -hmm. about how it how it went and uh, then you can have the chance to talk to the whole team, which mm-hmm. is perfect. Yeah, yeah. So and if they really nice. do have to go to the labs, then you can find them at the labs, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I I share a bit your um, the feeling you have with the keynote because the keynote is fundamentally a media event, right? It's it's not it's much less about engineering. Um, the the interesting part about the keynote in the past. So I've never seen a keynote in San Jose. Um, I was at one San Jose dubbed up, but I gave the ticket for the keynote to a friend so he could attend the keynote because I felt I've seen so many keynotes and he had never been to one. So I gave it to him. I hope Apple doesn't. I'm not ending on a blacklist now. Um, so I can't say how it's there, but it used to be the interesting part about the keynote was that um, you were waiting for a lot of new stuff to appear and the, that's where they unveil the stuff. So that was really cool. However, as the years go on, I feel it's less and less interesting because there are always leaks beforehand. So it's it's now with, with this year's and last year's, we kind of knew what was coming. I guess the biggest surprise I remember so far from DubDub was uh, Swift, where um, it was uh, it was something almost nobody had on the radar. So, um, but, but nowadays, um, it's much less. And so that's another thing we could briefly talk about because there was a lot of speculation and a lot of leaks that already happened about this year's dubbed up what might happen because, um, Guy Rambo from Stacktrace pod, he found a lot of things that, um, that might make it this, into this year's dubbed up. And if all of what's been leaked so far actually comes through, I feel it will be some, one of the biggest dubs ever in terms of um, product announcements. What do you think, Bas? 
I honestly I haven't really followed all the news, um, but I've heard some some really interesting things. Not necessarily product announcements, I think, but but software wise, mm-hmm. I think it can be a really interesting year. Um, obviously, uh, the whole Marzipan project is expected i i expect that to to be to be mm-hmm. talked about and and then to to have some kind of announced date um swift 6 is something we haven't heard about yet which i'm very surprised by actually which i wouldn't be surprised if they touch on that at least in the state of the union of course i mm-hmm. don't know if they do that in in the keynote here i feel that given that swift is not that much connected to the uh, yearly Apple release schedule anymore, it might be that it's just going to be a 5.2 or something and 6 is coming at some point in the future. But that's just speculation. So I, I Because 5 was also not related to, to Adopt Up release, so I feel that um, Apple stopped with the open sourcing of Swift and so on. They stopped um, trying to align, the, uh, align these. No, I, I, I totally agree there, right? And, I, and that's one of the things I'm really happy about, mm. that they did that. Um, but at the same time, when Swift 5 was announced, Swift 4 was still in progress. And so that was announced before WWDC, uh, if I remember correctly. And now that Swift 5 is out, there haven't really been any like plans that have mm-hmm. been communicated on Swift 6. And sure, there might be a 5.2. And we also already kind of know what's going to be, or what used to be planned at least for Swift 6. But... Yeah, I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been any mm. more official communication on yeah, this. Yeah, you're right about that. But let's see. But what else uh, has been so going for, around? So I, uh, for me, one of the, the biggest things, and this is for me, um, is that there's supposed to be um, a huge improvement in um, productivity on iPad. So there are supposedly windows coming so that you can have multiple, multiple windows open. And, and I'm giddily excited about this, mouse support, which is something that I've been wanting for years. So it's going to be an accessibility feature, but which doesn't mean that you can't use it as a normal user. And I like the, uh, the idea of making it something that is uh, an additional feature that you have to activate because it's not for everybody. It's only for some kind of users like me. So then with a mouse and with a keyboard, it almost becomes, it becomes way more productive for me. Um, and then there's supposed to be something called a sidecar, which is like Luna display in that you can use an iPad to, sh- to share, uh, create an additional display for your Mac, an additional screen. Um, but fully Apple supported um, for all the iPads out there, not just for the pro devices. Um, and basically 100% compatible with your Mac and you don't have to install any kernel drivers or anything like that. So that's also really interesting because then when you bring a small laptop and an iPad, um, you basically, you, you are on the, on the road with two screens, which is really good. And I, I know this used to work before, but you had to buy something for it and sometimes it didn't work so well. And but I, I hope that this would, would work really well. Which is interesting because I think one of those apps that you could use to mirror your iPad to or mirror your Mac or extend your Mac to your iPad was actually built by one of the ex Apple en- uh, engineers hmm. working on something similar at Apple or at least hmm. you know um, so I think, I think that's really cool and regarding the mouse support I think that's also really interesting um, I haven't really thought about what that would mean yet but it sounds like a no-brainer um, hmm. Sounds like a no-brainer, at least as as accessibility support, where it can really help some users like interact with uh, their iOS devices. 
Um, and I think those are one of like those are the coolest accessibility features there are, where we don't even realize like necessarily that they are accessibility features. Um, one of the other things that come to mind is uh, type to Siri support, mm. where you don't have to mm. talk, but you can type and yeah. then Siri will respond. And yeah. I think that's something that other people that really need this uh, are really happy about, but so are we. Mm. And it really blurs the line between like a feature that just helps anybody and accessibility and it i think this also goes into a discussion that i've had earlier this week with a colleague where like what what is accessibility what are what are the what is the scope of accessibility and i think maybe that doesn't even really matter mm -hmm. um because it's just it's just a good thing to be aware about mm -hmm. what i what i find interesting about um the mouse support is so for some of the listeners who think, what would I need a mouse for in the iPad? I feel the biggest use case is certainly um, editing text. Like when you want to move the cursor a bit or you want to easily, quickly make selections, um, this is much more cumbersome when you always have to lift your hand. And especially when you... Um, um, when you maybe um, when you when you need accessibility features, when it maybe pains you to raise your hand, then having a mouse is way more useful or one of the other devices because they are not talking about only mice here. I suppose, I suppose it's also something like a trackpad and uh, a trackball and, and stuff like that, like the the magic. What's it called? The the magic pad from Apple. The magic trackpad. Magic trackpad, right? So I think all these devices will be supported. Um, and I'm not entirely sure, and that hasn't been leaked yet, how it's going to be implemented. Like if there actually is a cursor, or if it's like Apple TV, where on Apple TV you also have this um, touchpad where you can um, where you just see the focus hover around. So it may be something like that. So let's see how they implement it. Um, but what I find interesting is that um, another leak was all the things that Marzipan will be able to do on the Mac. And I will just briefly um, read this list. Um, it, it says that Marzipan will support multiple windows, the touch bar, the menu bar, keyboard shortcuts, split view apps that can be resized. Um, and all these things, they um, some of those, they actually don't exist on iOS. So you don't have menu bars on iOS. And many people have complained about that in the past because sometimes it's really tricky to find functionality in an app because there's no standardized interface to finding all the functionality that an app offers. On the Mac, it's fantastic. If you if you click on in the menu bar on the help menu and there's always a search bar on the Mac app and you can actually enter some text there and it will show you where the menu for that is. And all these features the iPad doesn't have yet. But if it's coming to Marzipan, the question is maybe will it be abstracted in a manner so that on iPad at least we also get a menu bar. So um, there's there's a lot still open based on these leaks that could be really, really cool on iPad. Let's Let's see where this is going. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, so am I. And then I think some other things that we haven't touched on that are, I think, to a certain extent taken for granted at this point, but I'm really looking forward to that as well, is something like dark mode, hmm. where, again, this this is also something that is totally an accessibility feature, um, but it's something that probably everybody, or at least very many people, use at this moment. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's also been confirmed, and it also makes sense because... Your Marzipan app has to run on macOS. macOS has a dark mode. So your Marzipan app has to support a dark mode. So that means you need a dark mode on iOS. Otherwise, you know, you need the functionality that Marzipan consumes has to be consistent there. 
So Apple is basically required to do it. It would be weird, weird if your multi-pan apps would not support dark mode on the Mac. That wouldn't fly. So Apple has to do that. So that's really interesting. Um, one one last thing. I mean, there's way more has leaked, and if you if you want to, uh, the last two episodes from Stacktrace Pod, they talked about all the all the things that they um, that that Rumble found out that will happen in the. Uh, in the next release. Um, you should listen to that because they talk about way more things. But uh, one thing I wanted to briefly touch on is um, we've, we've always seen this these rumors that there's going to be a new UI layer, UI framework for uh, for iOS. What do you think about that, Buzz? I remember that those things first came up, uh, or I think that was when they first came up, is when Apple re-engineered the Photos app on Mac. Um, and they found a framework called UXKit, as as I can remember. Um, I'm I'm rather indifferent about it. I think at this point, uh, I've gotten used to to UIKit. Um, I'm looking forward to Marzipan, seeing how that will change my view, or or at least change my uh, way of being able to program for the Mac, which is something mm-hmm. I've tried in the past, but really struggled with 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 the fast difference in in apis um but if they make something that blurs those lines or like improves another part of of api development um or just development in general i think that's that's something i trust apple can do really Mm -hmm. well looking at their other apis there there were rumors that so one of the things that on ios um works much less well that no that's a wrong term but one thing that people criticize about building views or apps on ios is when you compare it to react native for example is that with react native you get these um a declarative way of of um building your ui um, and then you also get this hot reload that makes it really easy to build uh, UIs in a, a very fast manner. So when somebody who does iOS plays around with React Native, that's usually what you hear. You hear it's so fast, it works so well. And so that was a constant criticism. And so there are rumors that Apple has been working on that, on a on a library or, or on a framework that is declarative and that allows you to build UIs in a manner similar to that. And I feel that would be... A, it would be tricky because um, UIKit is so detailed now and there's so much work that has been sunk into UIKit. I don't think Apple is just going there with a completely new library uh, I, I, or framework. I don't expect that. But what I could see is that um, last year we got um, in Playgrounds, we got the ability to th- select chunks of code and rerun this code. So um, in Playgrounds, you can you can rerun the whole Playground, but with, with last year's version, you can also only rerun parts of it. So that's kind of like hot code reload. And what I could see is that they mix this with the ability to declaratively um, build UIs. So not view controllers, but you write your controller just as before. But instead of building your UI as a um, storyboard or as a zip file, you um, you just define it declaratively with some sort of language extension to Swift in your code. It's just the view. And if you do that and you save, it will auto automatically reload it and automatically put into your app while it's running the simulator and the simulator will update automatically. That's what I could see would happen. And uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that would happen because it would make things so much easier if you just want to add a button and you don't have to recompile and run again, but it would just appear on screen. I think that would be really nice. And I'm wondering if it will be there next, this year, mm-hmm. um, but... I can totally imagine. I cannot imagine that Apple isn't working on this. Mm, yeah. Okay, so that was our 
brief going into dub dub. <laughs> brief, quote unquote. <laughs> so uh, we asked a really, or I think a really interesting listener question uh, for this episode, which is like more personal, um, but I think really interesting. It's something we talked about in our team. And then like I was inspired to to ask our listeners. So that would be like, if you would get the chance to make a career change without limitations, what would you do and why? And when I wrote this, the without limitations, I basically meant, well, it can be anything. It doesn't have to potato be potato farmer. It can be a potato farmer. It mm. doesn't have to be programming. Um, but and this happens, yeah, definitely on a daily basis. Communication is hard where at least it seems like most people interpreted this or at least answered this with, hey, something else I would do in programming. Um, but that's fine. Maybe our answers won't be as programming related, but... Um, Let's start with the listener answers first. All right. So uh, the first listener answer was from uh, from Wayne. And Wayne, Wayne is really awesome. Wayne, Wayne has been helping with, with GitHog, actually. Uh, and I've also talked to him and he's, it's it's really cool. What I didn't know and what he answered was I would move from being a commercial electrician to being a Swift developer. Interesting. And there's just something about this that always puts a smile on my face <laughs> when people move from like something completely unrelated mm -hmm. to Swift. Especially because when he started working in GitHub, on, on GitHawk, I like I would have never guessed this. Like mm -hmm. he was super comfortable there, or he felt super comfortable there, uh, asked a lot of questions and and built like improve some accessibility in the app and hearing that apparently he's a commercial electrician like was like wow that's, that's really cool to see yeah that's really cool um the next one we have is from Mia leonte and um they're writing i'd like to work on an app i'm already using for example things by culture code or revolut app or day one app so basically moving from the current career to the current career, but on something that is actually related to them. And and that's something I, I, I can feel. So I think it's much more fun if you work on a project that you're also a huge fan of or where you think uh, that, that you actually love and like versus, let's say, you work in the insurance industry as a developer for something on the back end where you're not interested in insurances. Um, fun, fun side note, one of the first programming jobs I had was doing the backend for an insurance company, car insurance. And I found nothing more boring than cars. So it was boring on the car side and boring on the insurance side. It was just boring. But, um, well, I, I soldiered on. And I think it's an interesting answer where I think it's, it would be, like, for me as well, this is something I would love to do. Um And some something I, I care about a lot, like to work on an app that I really care about. Um, at the same time, I think it comes with a lot of difficulties as well, because if you do get the chance to work on on an app that you use daily, but then maybe it goes in a direction that you didn't want, or maybe you're working on features that you didn't expect to be working on, that can actually like be really hard. Mm -hmm. And that said, I don't want to make anybody feel that they shouldn't because i think that's if you get a chance like this you should totally go for it but yeah 
but it, it might be difficult because some you may also think that um, which is something I, I sometimes see here because I do care about the app we are working on and uh, sometimes I feel that I have a different opinion than other people work, working on let's say the designers for example and it's not just that you can walk in and say okay let's change this so even if you work on an app that you like it might be that the things you have to develop might be things you don't like because you're not the only one deci deciding exactly um Christian uh, answered, I'd move from a corporate company to a smaller shop that takes pride in delivering beautiful, just works software to customers that value this kind of work without losing the benefits of a large corporation, though. So I want to work for a startup funded, a small startup funded wallet with, that cares about these, funded by a big corporation. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be one way to mm -hmm. maybe have it work out. I think it doesn't have to be a startup reading this. Um, but this is some, something I can relate to as well. And I mm -hmm. can see myself working at a, at a bit of a smaller company at some point where uh, you have a bit more of a tight-knit mm -hmm. uh, company really focusing on on the end customer and really, be, really being able to do so in a way that makes a delighted app. And I think that's harder in a bigger company yeah because there's just a lot more going on yeah i think i read yesterday we have 1900 employees here now and 1900 and it's obviously there's a huge political stake in whatever is being done so at a small company i used to work in a 10, 10 person startup there's like basically you have an idea you just do it it's not you know not even talking to anybody like a, a lot of things i just did without asking even anybody and everybody was like oh that's great so there's a huge difference. We can't imagine doing this here. Exactly. Yeah. And then Antoine Fadeli, he said, I would go for professional electronic musician producing Indietronica. I've been a producer for years, but never did a live performance. Would love to do that once. So here, um, this is something, I guess, um, that that many people have because it's uh, there's a relationship between um, do, doing design on a computer because you use the computer and then programming on a computer and then doing music on a computer because it's all something where you can be creative on a computer and so music also falls into this direction you start developing maybe and then you 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 run into a bit you know there there's libraries to do this with and there are simple apps you can use and so on and then you go dive into this direction but nevertheless it's unbelievable cool because um it's still something entirely different you do use a computer but you do something completely different uh, and you can like it's also something that you can, um, as, as he said, um, uh, do a live performance. So you can actually stand in front of 500 people, and it's not giving a talk, but it's just you know playing music. So it's it's really cool. And Although I would say they are not completely dissimilar, like giving a talk versus giving a live performance, especially when you do live coding. Yeah, that's true. The live coding may be similar. Well, although when you live coding, when you're live coding, nobody is dancing. <laughs> Ho <This> hopefully. Is... <laughs> This is a challenge. <laughs> um, and we might maybe see more of this because I think you are also interested in, in music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we will probably talk about this in a future episode, but um, it, it's a fun coincidence because I've also been doing electronic music for since 1996, so for a long time. Um, although I stopped in between lots the, of times. The year after I was born. <laughs> 
Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Nothing to be sorry for. And then last, uh, Chris Tubbs uh, told us that he would love to do something with geography and changing the planet's environment. And oh. I think that was also really cool. Yeah, and this is much more going into the, into the anything that goes direction, right? Exactly. Yeah. Plus also, yeah, it's yeah. in contrast to, to all the other answers, it's moving away from programming, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that's that's been on my mind on and off as well. And mm-hmm. I think seeing something like this, uh, some someone care about something like this, is is really cool. Hmm. Should we go into our answers for this? So I would start because it fits to the last answer. So as Buzz said, we we had this on. Uh, we talked about this in the team before, and when we talked about it in the team, I initially said I would like to be a science fiction writer, which isn't wrong because I wanted to do this when I was a kid, and I still feel that would be this would be something that I would find fun and exciting, and it's still it involves a lot of typing. I can use Emacs, so there is uh, there are benefits to that, and um, I like stories, and so I, I guess I would like to do that. However, when I, when we walked back from that event where we talked about this i thought about it again and then it hit me that there's something else that i might be doing um, because i feel it needs to be done and that is i might go into politics because i care a lot about the environment i care a lot i'm really afraid about climate change and i feel not enough is being done there and um every like every voice is needed and going into politics allows you to um to have maybe a bigger impact on this and just because I'm afraid there are not enough politicians that actually care about this. And so that's something, not be, not because I would like doing that. I hate a lot of the things that you have to do when you do politics, but because I want to do something. I think that's also really interesting where you are able to say, hey, this is maybe not something I like, but it's something I care about. And that's why I would want to mm. do it. What about you, Bas? For me, it would be a bit different. Um, I care about a lot of things. Um, I think it wouldn't surprise all listeners, um, but something like baking, something like cooking, I don't know, but like baking is is one of my hobbies that just brings me joy. Like it's fun to do. Uh, it's fin- fun to do with others, although I don't get the chance to do that a lot at the moment. Um and it's just a joy to be able to share that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can make a whole cheesecake, but I don't want to eat all of it. Um, and it's just a win-win situation to to share that with others, uh, and to laugh about it, and to talk to to have this opportunity to talk as well, which you get when you just gather around for food. Um, so all in all, that's just a great experience for me. So I could see myself going there. I can confirm when Buzz bakes, he does that quite a lot and brings the stuff to work for us to try. It's always fantastic. And we've been saying for quite a while uh, there should be Buzz Bakery that um, that serves fantastic, fantastic baked goods on a weekend. But uh, he hasn't done that yet. Not yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So we have quite a long episode today. It was a good episode. I really enjoyed the chat. And if anybody has questions, especially regarding DubDub, what to do at DubDub, where to go, and so on, just ask us. All right. It was, was nice, Buzz. It was a nice chat. And thanks for listening. See you next time. See you next time.